0: Just take it for granted mm-hmm. that goods and services are going to be there for you. And back in the when I was growing up, mm-hmm. that wa- that wasn't the case.
1: Hello, and welcome to Farm on the Podcast. I'm Joe Phillips. Today's guest is Laverne Phillips. Laverne was born and raised in Canton, Oklahoma. Current population six hundred and fifteen. He loves to tell stories about his grandpa Andy, a hard scrabble second-generation German immigrant who settled near the epicenter of the Dust Bowl to stake his claim as a farmer. Now at 72, Laverne was the first person in his family to go to college. He went on to become a successful businessman and family man, but his heart remained on the farm. In this conversation, Laverne remembers what he calls the good life on the farm, tasting homebrewed beer, waking with the summer breeze, and he even explains an oddity of telephone history called the party line. And did I mention that he's my dad? You know, one of the reasons I started this podcast was just to have the, the chance to sit down and talk with interesting people. And uh, I thought, what better way to get to know my old man a little bit better? So, here he is.
0: Just being there, I can remember as early as three or four. uh, we We had 23 cousins. And my grandpa would always, at Easter, want everybody there. And he was a little short German guy that wore bib overalls very dark complected, and we would have a big easter egg a egg hunt, and that's that was a highlight of his year.
1: It, was he first generation German or was, he, was his were his parents German?
0: I think he's second generation second generation.
1: Did you know his parents?
0: Uh, no, I did not
1: because he was your grandpa. he was my grandpa. And my great grandpa yeah and so there were twenty three cousins. And so how many children made those cousins?
0: The, my, had, my mom had uh, three sisters and four brothers. So it was a family of eight. Back then, they had larger families.
1: I was going to say, that was pretty typical back in the day. Right. And what about Andy? How many siblings do you think he had?
0: Um, I think he had three, three brothers.
1: Mm-hmm. I really
0: didn't, I met one of them one time, Ray, lived up in uh, Colorado, and uh, Ray was one of the, I think what he did mostly was small uh, vegetable crops Hmm. in uh, southeastern Colorado.
1: But he was the only one around that, like, Andy's extended family, or Andy's immediate family. Yeah, that's the only one I
0: ever saw.
1: And so um, you're three or four. What do you remember about the farm when you were three or four?
0: About the only thing I remember is that Easter egg hunt (laughs) and Christmas. It was just a Uh fun deal. Just uh, lots of playing around the farm. Mm -hmm. The old farmhouse was very unique, and it had large porches on two sides. Originally, it had a large porch all the way around the uh, house, the farmhouse, And they would have dances and dance all the way around the house. So it was, I wish I could have seen it then.
1: And uh, no amplified music at that point.
0: Well, no, just the wind, whatever the wind would do.
1: (laughs) And did Andy play music himself? He played the harmonica. That's right. And I actually have his, one of his, at least one of his harmonicas. I think you probably have the best one. It might be the oldest one. Yes. And we're trying to find out the history on it. I think we're researching the history of it. (laughs) That's right we're trying to get to the bottom of the the history of that harmonica um, so at what point do you think do you remember how old were you when you started working on the farm do you think
0: i probably was 10 years old when i first started going out and working and and helping my grandpa and uh, it was a wonderful experience. Of course, we didn't have air conditioning. Mm-hmm. We had an ice box, which you had a block of ice in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still remember when I was, well, I, up until I was about a junior in high school, well, maybe back that off to a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way we would have hot water is we had the milk house, we had a, Small barrel up there, and we'd fill it with water, and each day the sun would heat it up, and that's how you got your hot water. Mm -hmm. If it was cloudy, you didn't get as hot a water. And were you mainly working in the summer when you weren't in school? Mainly in the summer, Mm -hmm. uh, but lots of weekends. He only lived about seven miles from where we were in in Canton, which is our hometown.
1: This is Canton, Oklahoma. Right. Which is... uh, not too far from the Panhandle.
0: Well, it's about uh, about 80 miles from the Oklahoma Panhandle.
1: Which is interesting because if you were born in 46, did I say that 44. Right? Sorry, if you were born in 44 and the end of the Dust Bowl was in the, I guess, the, it, actually, I know what it was, it was 1930. Well, 1939 was the end of the Depression. So right. you were born on the tail end of the Depression.
0: Yeah. Things were still pretty tough. I, I hear that they were. Of course, I right. was an infant. Uh, yeah. But it was a unique thing that uh, when you talk about medicines and how you help people, I had a stomach problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And from the time I was just a tiny baby, I drank goat's milk. And it's an odd combination. And they, the, they prescribed oat's milk. Our goat's milk with beer. <laughs> and so I started drinking at a very early age. Why
1: was it, why was beer the, uh, was it like an active ingredient in the,
0: I, I don't know. It was about a 50, 50 ratio. So we had, my dad was in, in uh, Germany in the war mm-hmm. and uh, mom and my aunt Lucille, who was a wonderful, wonderful person, mm-hmm. her, her sister, uh, raised me and my sister on the farm and we milk they milked goats and they they uh, definitely didn't think i was going to make it i had kind of a bloated stomach they said and and uh had lots of problems with my stomach but anyway that's why to this day i still like goats and, and uh, beer <laughs> so
1: maybe the beer was to uh, just put you to sleep
0: Oh, I don't think so. I mean, mm-hmm. they—I had to have beer, even when I was probably in the third or fourth grade. As a prescription, I'd, my folks didn't drink, but they kept a little bit of beer in the refrigerator, and I'd have it with meals. It's still kind of the same way. Well, it's it, still it's the still, same it way with, when Grandma was alive but too. Then I only got a half a bottle, or a little, <laughs> a little about a third of a bottle. Um, not a bottle—a bottle of beer.
1: Right, and so. Grandpa was in the war, so he was gone. And so it left uh, Grandma and Aunt Lucille to kind of be around.
0: To, well, they to, had to do everything. Mm-hmm. They lived out on the farm. There was very little income. They definitely lived off the land. Mm-hmm. They had a cow that they milked. Mm-hmm. Uh, they raised chickens. And they had a a small—my uh, mother had a very green thumb, so they had a very mm-hmm. good garden. They had a lot of fresh— vegetables and mm-hmm. and uh, you could almost say that was organic because they would use manure from the chickens for fertilizer and the cows mm-hmm. and so
1: but at the time they didn't there was no word for organic or no
0: I, they would have probably shipped you out of the country if you used the word organic <laughs> back then
1: and um, Grandpa Andy was around until I can't remember the year he died I think it was about 86
0: mm-hmm I think that's right.
1: So he was around too all that time that um,
0: that grandpa was at, off to war in Germany and. Well, I think my dad came home in forty late, late forty-five. Mm-hmm. Was about the time he came home. So, but my grandpa was helping uh, during those infant years mm-hmm. after birth. So, mm-hmm. what was he like as a great grandpa? Probably. Absolutely my model citizen and uh, awesome. extreme work ethics. And to this day, every time he would, I, was, I would be doing something like leaving a cabinet door open or throwing a piece of paper to the trash can and missing, mm-hmm. he would tell me from the time I can remember visiting with him, Vern, it's a lot easier just to pick it up right now. It's a lot easier to fix it right now. And so that's to this day. I mean, I can drop something on the floor and think I'm going to walk off and leave it. And I can hear him talking to me. He say, Vern, you better go pick that up. Don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. And um, I wouldn't have made a good attorney.
1: <laughs> right. What kind of a, what would, how would you describe his look? What did he look like?
0: Well, I, as I described previously, very short, probably five, six uh was very stout but he was didn't have a ounce of fat on him mm-hmm. and very dark complexed. Hmm. And uh just part of a lot of that was because he was outside from morning till night every day.
1: Mm-hmm. How many acres do you remember?
0: Oh he probably he owned about uh eighty acres right next to the lake at Canton. Mm-hmm. But then he leased uh, two quarters of land. Actually, when I was a junior and senior, he he uh, had probably eight hundred acres.
1: Do you have any idea why
0: he chose that spot? I really don't. Um, mm-hmm. He leased the farmhouse from uh, a. I guess he was a medical doctor. That. Had acquired a lot of properties uh, during the Depression. Bankers and mm-hmm. people with money could acquire a lot of property, but he needed somebody that would take care of the land, and my mm-hmm. grandfather was somebody that really took care of the land. Is
1: that called sharecropping when that happens?
0: Actually, he probably did some sharecropping. Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, he would have during harvest neighbors would come in and help you. Yeah. So uh, whether you call that sharecropping or whatever, but Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. I can remember it's during harvest was awfully hot. No air conditioning. (laughs) What was he growing mostly? Mostly it was wheat and oats and barley. Mm -hmm. And we did some cotton, but uh, cotton didn't do as well at that time in in our part of the state. I think the new varieties are now coming back.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But uh, wheat... Barley and oats were the big crops.
1: And um, like during a high harvest time, would you be working with a bunch of people your age or different generations? No,
0: they were all older, like my grandpa or my dad would come out. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was the only... I had a cousin, Butch, Mm -hmm. that would uh, help a lot of times during the summer. From about the time I was 13 till... I was 17. He would come each summer. He lived up in Kansas. Mm-hmm. But uh, he uh, he probably wasn't there the full summer, but, mm-hmm. but uh, I learned to drive a tractor very young. There weren't any Department of Labor equal opportunity rules and regs at that time. Right. Probably driving the pickup every once in a while. I probably drove when I was about, at least 11 I was driving to pick up on the farm.
1: Uh, and um, was all the work mechanized, or
0: was it all done by hand, or like
1: half and half?
0: Well, we uh, all of it, they, we had machinery, but it was antiquated by the, today's standards. Right, so Combine? Combines. We had, uh, uh, you pick cotton by hand and drug these big sacks. Uh, mm-hmm. It was hard all, work. It was very hard work. We, yeah. uh, as far as cultivating the cotton, it's called a hoe. We yeah. used a hoe. Yeah. And uh, the the wheat, once we got it planted, was basically took care of itself. And you hoped that you got moisture. Mm-hmm. And once it got up pretty good, and uh, pr- probably starting mid September of each year, then they would use that to graze their livestock on. So it was a dual purpose
1: and he was harvesting or he was slaughtering the cows
0: too well he just enough to eat whatever oh, they weren't selling the meat they were selling it but they'd sell it at the auction okay the cattle auction and uh-huh. then you uh, I don't know where that went from there whether it went to the processing plants or mm-hmm. the big packing houses but
1: the livestock wasn't a main
0: uh, money maker. Oh yes, that oh, was, was a major, major okay. moneymaker. The, okay. I mean, when you say slaughter, we, uh, I can still remember butchering pigs, butchering calves, wow. right there on the farm. Right there on the farm, uh, chickens. That was kind of a, you know, about every spring we were dressing chickens whenever you needed some. So. Yeah, and uh, butchering but- a pig and a and a cow is no small thing. It really isn't, and and the other thing that a lot of people, like my grandmother would cook about everything, but Mm -hmm. uh, I can remember lots of breakfasts eating calf brains. Mm -hmm. Uh, We ate the heart of the uh, the cow Mm -hmm. or the calves, uh, the tongue.
1: Was there any part that you were just like, I can't, I don't want to?
0: I really, I think you kind of ate what they put in front of you at that time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't... uh, that you weren't going to call the Pizza Hut or someplace like that and get a pizza, you had to fix it yourself. You didn't have buttered noodles every night. No, we didn't. But it was funny. My grandmother was uh, just worked really hard, and you know, I can remember her almost all the time in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And she'd had a stroke uh, early in her life. I don't know if it was childbirth or something, but. Hmm. She basically didn't have the use of her left hand. so Really? So she worked, did all that with basically one hand. Wow. And uh, that's cleaning chickens to making noodles to, you know, frying brains. Wow. Or cooking brains. It's kind of like you did the brains, if I remember right, kind of like you do a scrambled egg. And they kind of look the same. Mm-hmm. and And Maybe you taste it tasted a little different. Yeah, and the other thing I remember my Grandpa Andy, and I won't tell you how young I was when I had my first beer, uh-huh. but he made home brew.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And we had the home brew in the basement out of an old crock. Right. And when he passed away and they had their auction, I, I couldn't attend, but I told my mom, the only thing I want, I don't care what it costs, is I want that old crock, because he would make beer uh, in there. And then my grandma would make pickles. It's interesting because the
1: Germans kind of exported beer making all over the world. Like if, you know, the Mexicans made started making beer because Germans had colonized in Mexico. So do you think he just picked that up through his German roots? I don't know,
0: but he did a good job. <laughs> we would go down in the basement in the uh, what today we would call the dining room. We'd move the dining room table. uh uh-huh. A little bit, and then you had these this door in the floor, which is part of the floor that lifted up. And you t- go down those wooden stairs to the basement, and it's always a nice temperature down there. And then this crock would have uh, the yeast would be working and the sugars and, and whatever he flavored it with. I don't think he was using any hops. I don't
1: well, he, he grew barley. so Barley,
0: I think probably barley, mm-hmm. most, most of it. Probably some wheat beer. Mm-hmm. It's probably like a light uh, ale, basically, or something. Yeah, it wasn't very light, if I remember <laughs> right. Isn't there a uh, story
1: about beer exploding somewhere? Well,
0: but first, let me tell you about yeah. this: is he would have cheesecloths over the top of it, and he would, we'd go down, and after we got back in from harvesting and working on a farm, he would blow the foam back a little bit and uh, get the dipper out. By the way, I have the dipper also. And uh, sip it, and see how it was mm-hmm. how the, how the fermentation or the mm-hmm. was going on and and then you would bottle it when you thought it was ready, and I can still remember when my we were out there, and every once in a while you'd hear a pop mm-hmm. because sometimes he would bottle it when it was still a little green. you shouldn't have been bottling <laughs> it yet, and it just really irritated my grandma
1: did she not? want him to be brewing beer at all? Did he have to kind of keep it
0: under... Well, he didn't keep it under raft, but uh-huh. she, she didn't approve of it <laughs> Okay. at all. Right. At all. But it didn't stop him. It was pretty good beer.
1: And what was the story of uh, when you introduced Mom to him?
0: Something about oh, him having I, when beer? I, when you said, Mom, it's my wife, yeah. we, were, we had called, and and it was funny. Back then, we had the old phones where you the party lines basically and we'd just gotten past that to where you could call them direct what's a party line a party line is they used to have a phone that hung hung on the wall and you'll see them in museums yeah you picked up the receiver and you turned the crank and it was two cranks like two longs and three shorts (laughs) and that would ring the the phone to somebody to anybody well i don't know to an operator okay kind of like yeah, an operator, probably Little, a switchboard. Lily Tomlin on uh, the, plays the operator. Yeah. Well, this was Grace. A switchboard. Yeah, an old switchboard play uh-huh. but, uh So Grace was there. Grace was there. So what, what was the question again? Uh, what's a party line? Well, the party line is, and it was funny, if your phone would ring, you'd pick it up, and everybody that was out in that area was on the same phone <sighs> system. No kidding. And so they could all pick it up and listen, and you would hear them huh. picking it up. So everybody, my aunts, my grandpa, huh. they would listen to what's going on. So you couldn't have any intimate discussions. Could they the talk back. back at the same time? Oh, they could. Yeah, just like a conference call. Huh? Nobody ever did. It was nobody was supposed to be on the line. Oh, that's weird. And then you you asked how I met my my wife or how I introduced my wife I called him he had taken the he quit milking cows and you had the old stalls Mm -hmm. and so he bought a pool table and put it down there and so we went down and I, I called him and he said well just drive down to the pool table and I'll meet you down there and uh we wanted to meet grandma but he said we well, would just go down and show her the pool table he was pretty proud of it and so we drive down there and he <laughs> we're looking at it and I uncovered it and we had the balls out and he comes down and meets mom of course mom's quite a bit taller than he is mm-hmm. and uh, after we'd played the, he and I played a game of pool or two he said uh, my wife's name is Marsha he said Marsha do you allow him to drink beer and she said oh yeah well he had a beer in each hip pocket and so he popped one open and her question was where's my beer yeah (laughs) but But it's only for uh, the gentleman it was well after that he accommodated marcia
1: (laughs) okay he was enlightened after that he was
0: enlightened
1: um and he wore overalls pretty much. Uh, did you ever see him in anything other than
0: overalls? Never saw him in anything besides big overalls and a straw hat.
1: Yeah. Um. So did he? do you think he was, a, like, compared to farmers in the area, do you think he was successful? Do you think he was average? Oh, I think he
0: was a very successful farmer. But mm-hmm. success back then, back then just meant that you had a livelihood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, well, I say that he loved pickups, and he always had a fairly new pickup. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know when he was ninety years old, he bought a new pickup. Wow! And he kept the old one. Uh huh. So <laughs> he was he was very unique. It's funny that my grandmother had passed away previously, and about the time he was nineties, when they they. Realized he probably needed to get off the farm, mm-hmm. and he wanted to build a new house. And, uh, of course, the family's going, excuse me, you're 90 years old. Like, build it.
1: Have it build. Have but, it build.
0: But help to build it. Uh-huh. But uh, he was an absolute workaholic. Uh, it could be 100 degrees out, and he would be out with his hoe, hoeing the weeds out of the fence line. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not just one day, all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he had some health issues, and he had an old John Deere tractor. And the, his, my mother and her sister couldn't get him on the party line or anything, trying to call him, and they'd go out there. And he was told that it wasn't safe for him to drive this tractor, and he had taken a couple dish towels and made him a seat belt and he was tied onto the tractor and he was just driving it away. <laughs> so he was very innovative, but uh-huh. as long as he could work until almost till he died.
1: Yeah. And he, he
0: lived to be 94, 94, 94, 94. And, uh, and the other thing, yeah, helped keep him happy was it was, it was called stag beer mm-hmm. and I had one later in life. They weren't very good. Right. And he had that and he chewed beechnut nut chewing tobacco and he had a spit tune right next to his chair. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he was about 85 for Christmas, somebody got him a carton of beech nut chewing tobacco and the, his daughters and sons were just, Weren't happy about it. This was a Christmas gift. They were trying to get him to quit. Trying to get him to quit. And he right. was 85, and he said, what do you think? It's going to kill me? <laughs> and really, it didn't do It him. didn't. It didn't. And he, he liked um, sweets, didn't he? He loved candy. Uh huh. Yeah, he was. Beech nut chewing the back of beer and candy was pretty good. Uh-huh. He liked all of that. Lessons to learn by. And very seldom did he ever, ever go to a doctor.
1: Hmm.
0: So there may be something to that. Yeah. So your mom, when she was school age, she went to, a,
1: I guess, a farm school. Right. And she said that he helped to make the school bus.
0: Do you remember that? Right. I think he drove the school bus. He drove it. He helped make it. Mm-hmm. Do I don't know think it, he made it. It was just a real old. By today's standards, it wouldn't pass anybody's standards. It was like a hay truck or something. Almost like a hay truck. Uh-huh.
1: With like wooden benches in it,
0: right? Uh huh. That's what I I didn't ever see it, but that's what they said. And mm-hmm. it was wasn't didn't have heat, didn't have air conditioning. It was kind of open air. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. he did that in the and this schoolhouse was called Con Six, and it was just a one room classroom,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and about I don't know how many students they had at maximum, probably thirty, mm-hmm. but. uh... it it was uh, it was probably a very good life so at some point
1: because grandma and grandpa your parents they made their livelihood not by farming but by being business people
0: right they dad and mom worked together side by side and really they they didn't hardly, or we took very few vacations, mm-hmm. and they started in the service station business. And uh, my dad had a little bitty station on a corner, and that's when you basically went out and turned a crank and crank to get the gas. And I can still remember that. I never saw him, but Hank Thompson would play at a a ballroom about thirty miles from. Canton, where my dad had the station, and, and uh, he would set up a time afterwards to bring the bus by and fill it up with gas. And this happened numerous times, and so boys like always liked Hank Thompson since so cool. then. And it's- then, then after that, they expanded to a larger filling uh, service stations. They called them, mm-hmm. and I can still remember the very first televisions. Mm-hmm they sold them in the filling station Mm -hmm. and uh, they would put up the old antennas on the roof. And that's, I, I think every roof in Canton, which is population about a thousand. I, I helped my dad put a antenna on almost every one of them.
1: And that kind of led them to, um, selling appliances and
0: TVs. Then they, then they bought another store, which was a paint store, uh, which is a, couple blocks from him and got out of the service station business and expanded into television and uh, then got into furniture and uh, it was kind of a one-stop shop mm-hmm. and my dad was so skilled uh, that he could fix about anything he learned how to fix the old tube television mm-hmm. and I I can I had a teacher called Mrs. Ficus Mm-hmm. And she was a dandy. Mm-hmm. And anyway, Mrs. Ficus and my her husband was my barber, John Ficus. And when I would go to see him, he'd always have some Native American things that he would give me. We had a lot of, of Cheyenne Arapahoes that lived in our community. Mm-hmm. i have, have a little drum or some head feathers or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when the first televisions that were colored came out, my dad got one and called them and on a on the morning of the rose bowl they came down and we sat there and watched and it would be black and white and then some color would come on and, <laughs> and the color was at that time it really excited you because you yeah. had never seen colored television yeah and uh, pretty good sales pitch because they bought the television so. yeah
1: that's cool So, um, speaking of Native Americans, do you remember working alongside any of them? Like, when you would do farm work, did Grandpa Andy hire any Native Americans?
0: Uh, There were a few. Uh, This is the one that I remember. This is not Grandpa Andy, but uh, instead of having your sanitation department like you do now, uh, a wonderful person that... Uh, named Dave Fanman hmm. had a couple horses and a wagon and he would come by and pick up the trash and it was a full you know he, he could work from morning till night and then when he finished it was time to start again but he really didn't go out onto to the farms just in the cities Okay. but uh, I can remember that and then there were a few uh, Native Americans that worked for my grandpa, but not that many. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, it was funny, they would, uh, they liked beer a lot more than <laughs> they should. Okay. And I can remember just almost once or twice a week we'd be, see some one of them coming to the farm. Trying to borrow a little money from Grandpa Andy, mm-hmm. so they could buy some beer and then work it out. And uh, did he loan him, Did he loan money to the people? ones that he should loan money to? He mm-hmm. did, uh, but it was—it's was kind of like having a bank on the farm. Where yeah, he, you know, it was so. Uh, so he trusted but, a lot of people in the community. Oh, the the, uh, and I have to tell you, this is the. This goes back to my father when he was little and living on the farm. Mm-hmm. Uh he was kidnapped. Oh, that's right. Kidnapped by uh, some of the Cheyenne Arapahoes. So, wait, so your dad was living on Grandpa Andy's farm? No, he was living about 20 miles from there. Right, okay. And he was just a little boy. O'keen? Uh, Oklahoma? Oakwood, Oakwood. Oakwood, okay. And he was kidnapped, and... Uh, of course, everybody searched and searched, but I think he was gone a couple of days. So wait, so was it middle of the night or what was the situation? Well, I, don't, I don't know that we didn't have video cameras back then. So, but I still remember this story and I said, what? He yeah. was kidnapped? And they said, yes. And they found him. He wasn't harmed. My dad was kind of dark complected and this family didn't have any children and they found him. They'd. When they came to the house, they had hid him under the bed.
1: And were they Cheyenne Arapahoes
0: Cheyenne, Arapahoe's the tribe. Um,
1: so, do you think that they they just wanted
0: a child? And oh, I don't think they were trying to do any harm. And what, it wasn't like a ransom situation. It wasn't a ran- no one had any money. You couldn't have a ransom. <laughs> <laughs> a ransom means you steal. You right. You expect some payment. You, you expect payment, and there wasn't any payments. So they just, a couple days
1: went by, and they went and got him out from under the bed?
0: Well, no. no well, I mean, people were searching day and night uh, for him. Were it, it, the police involved? Well, there weren't very many policemen back okay. then. This is this is friends and neighbors. Wow. Wow. And I don't think they did anything or tried to do anything to mm-hmm. the family. I think they were just, just a harmless kidnapping, just a harmless kidnapping that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, probably didn't have very many flashlights back then. And, you know, I mean, it was a gas lamp, kind of a tr- traumatic uh, experience. I'm sure. And here, the other thing that we don't think about now, and I, you didn't ask this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Go is, ahead. Is uh, we didn't have indoor plumbing at all, right? And we had an old outhouse. Mm -hmm. And you're instead of having Charmin toilet paper, you had a Sears catalog, (laughs) and you would go out there and set in the freezing well when it got real cold, yeah. They had a little pot underneath the bed with the lid, so you didn't have to go outside. They called it a thunder pot, thunder pot and it was just a little designed to be a little mm-hmm. pot yeah. potty yeah and then you would dump it in the the next day but take it out. Out, out to the outhouse but the outhouse basically you'd, they would dig a, a pretty deep hole in the ground and set a little wooden structure over it with a mm-hmm. wooden Mm-hmm. bench with a hole cut out so you can sit on it mm-hmm. and i heard
1: some people would just move them
0: every year they would just digging well into a you, hole. it wasn't every year <laughs> whenever was, you had the it energy <laughs> was every five or six years okay but, you know if you've smelt your worst odor in the world yeah it did not equate to the outhouse but so t- you didn't spend a lot of time in there
1: but you were living not at grandpa andy's farmhouse
0: you were living at mom and dad's house right but, but I they just, didn't have out,
1: indoor plumbing either
0: uh, in town. In town they had a little bit. They they did have, I can remember having, I can always remember, I can't remember having an outhouse in town. It could be because I don't have a good memory, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it could be the goat milk and beer. Um, do you remember anybody getting injured while you were working? Was it dangerous work?
0: I really, you know, that's a, crazy thing is i don't really remember too many people getting injured i think i got injured worse than about anybody Mm -hmm. he had a barn and we would go up there and play Mm -hmm. uh, in the hay and do our little plays all the cousins we had one cousin that just irritated everybody what was his name kenny cousin kenny okay god rest his soul he's deceased now yeah But Kenny was one of those that you didn't want to hang out with. And Mm -hmm. so we were going out to the back of the barn trying to crawl down these, basically to be called cattle chutes at the time. And I slipped and fell and really scarred my face up pretty bad. I don't know if I got away from Kenny or not, but I tried. Yeah. But, uh. I don't remember anyone really getting seriously injured. I don't remember anyone having a broken leg or a broken Mm -hmm. arm. Mm -hmm. Lucky. Yeah. Because the hospital was far. Well, they had a little hospital clinic in in Canton, which is just seven Mm -hmm. miles away. They Mm -hmm. had a a doctor that delivered me when I was born. was there, (laughs) Dr. Rogers. You know, Mm -hmm. we had the show, Mr. Rogers. Rogers. I had Dr. Rogers when I was born.
1: But before that. Uh, most women were probably giving birth at home. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was kind of like the midwife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure they had midwives and wet nurses and the whole thing. Oh, I don't think so. It's no family learned to help deliver.
1: Oh, okay. I,
0: they just I, did it. I just they just did it. So. Because people talk
1: about um, pulling calves and pulling. Oh, I've done that. Kids. I've done that a
0: bunch. Really, it's probably not. That much different. Yeah, and you know, I still remember my first year of college. I had bought, I think, six or eight heifers with my granddad, and we were, I was raising them on the farm, and I was going to sell them to make money. And and uh, they had all been bred, and they were uh, heifer. For those who don't know, is a first year calf. Mm-hmm. And I learned a real lesson is you don't want to use a Hereford bull because the calves have a big head hmm. and it's really tough oh. for the mother to give birth. Okay. And so while everybody's having fun during one of the breaks from college, I'm with my grandpa pulling calves because wow. we had about three that over the weekend that got in trouble. Wow. And uh, since then, they've learned that you use either a Longhorn or an Angus for the first calf, and makes life a little bit easier for the cow and for you. So, at what point?
1: So, at what point uh, during college or growing up, you know, getting your education? You were the first uh, person in your family to go to college, right?
0: I was the first one, yes, to go to college or to get a degree out of all this my family.
1: So at what point did you decide that maybe farming,
0: that you didn't want to continue farming, that it wasn't a viable? Oh, I don't think I decided that. I would like to be, that was a good life. And it was, uh, you'd get up in the mornings, I still remember the the bed that I slept in, no air conditioning, but the bed was high enough that you were level with the window so that Mm -hmm. we always have a breeze in western Oklahoma and the window Mm -hmm. would be open and Mm-hmm. you'd wake up and that gentle breeze blowing across you and it, i mean there's no better the houses were designed to not have air conditioning well there wasn't it hadn't been invented i don't All right think,
1: but yeah. i mean the way
0: you open the windows and you had drafts and breezes and well just the way you open the windows and the doors and <laughs> <laughs> hope the critters or yeah somebody didn't come in so um so why didn't you just continue farming why didn't you just be a farmer i mean it you know when you go to school that's one of the things they teach you you want to be a doctor or lawyer or chemist or something and right and uh so that's what you do and then mm. your mom and dad want you to be go to college and
1: yeah
0: that's that's our system and uh since then we found that a lot of people can go to a technology center or something, and get a mm-hmm. a trade, yeah, which is just as good, and you make just as much money, yeah. But uh, everybody envisions their child being a doctor, or lawyer, or scientist, or somebody, and more white collar than blue collar, yeah, mm-hmm. very definitely. And uh, all right, but then
1: you know when you had our family here, you kind of. Wanted us to have some kind of uh,
0: rural agricultural life. We didn't have a farm, per se, but we had animals. Uh, We've had more animals. We probably have broken the city code in Woodward. That's (laughs) where we live more than anyone else. I still remember when you were young Uh and your sister. I was coming back from Oklahoma City in the car, and it was Easter. Easter Mm -hmm. weekend coming up, and they were warning you. Yeah, it's saying over the radio, "Do not get your kids chickens or ducks, you know, because after a while they'll grow up or rabbits, and you know it's it's inhumane almost." Mm-hmm. And but they didn't mention baby lambs. <laughs> so on the way home, I knew some people to raise baby lambs, and there was a little orphan lamb, and so I brought that home for your Easter. Mm-hmm. And I still remember we called it Bo Peep. Mm -hmm. And we didn't live out in the country at that point. No, that's how we broke all the (laughs) ordinances.
1: Right, we lived in the city limits. The
0: next year we had a lamb and a goat. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, probably worse than that is in the backyard. We had wooden fencing around five foot, probably five or six foot fencing. Yeah. And uh, I went out to a farm to look at a pony for my... You didn't like horses that much, but right. my daughter. Yeah. And I bought a Shetland pony with a little colt with it. Yeah. And we had it in the backyard. Yeah, and it wasn't a huge yard. Oh, the whole lot was 150 by 80 with a house sitting on it. Yeah, so, I mean, wasn't like a lot of room to graze and... <laughs> right. <ride a> <laughs> no no room to run. The, lo- <laughs> the uh, lots were stair-stepped, like okay. the next lot... Uh, east of us was about three foot lower, so it's kind of stair stepped, and yeah. really the the horse and the horses. I mean, we had about over a period of time four different horses. Right. We had some. The last two were the big horses, and we didn't have them there for a while, <laughs> for a couple months or so. But the really the horses didn't bother the neighbors. I think the flies from the horses did, but mm-hmm. the horses. And then in our backyard, I can. We had the Bo Peep. The would get in our swing set and walk back and forth like we did, like Natalie and you did, uh-huh. or you were when Bo Peep was born. I don't think. I think you were. I don't very, recall Bo Peep. Bo Peep. I think you weren't born yet. Yeah. But in our backyard, our rabbits had gotten out. So uh-huh. when we left, sold that home in nineteen, probably sixty-six. That? Cheyenne Drive. Cheyenne Drive. Well, I was born in seventy five,
1: so it was after seventy five. It was after seventy five. Yeah,
0: but we still had rob- rabbits running loose in the backyard, and, you know. I don't know <laughs> multiply the, I don't know. The, no, they they never did. But just uh, I don't know if the cats ever got them or whatever. Right. But uh, you were
1: you were urban farming before urban farming yeah. was cool.
0: Right. We had. Uh, I loved to farm, and mm-hmm. uh, we had. I always had a big garden, and. Uh, mm-hmm. It was very productive, and you know mm-hmm. I just loved doing it and so mm-hmm. I think my mom and my grandpa had taught me that
1: and so once we got out here, we're at our our current home now where i was where I grew up mostly, and it's not out of the city limits, but it's farther out it's pretty close to the outskirts of town and uh we've had horses, goats, sheep, chickens. Pheasants. Pheasants, ducks. Right. For about 15 minutes. I think we had ducks for...
0: Well, that wasn't very long.
1: They flew away pretty quickly. Wild ducks,
0: yeah. Wild turkeys and deer. Peacocks. We had peacocks. Those those make you popular in your neighborhood because... (laughs) In the middle of the night when you're trying to sleep, they start doing this. I don't know if it's a mating call or whatever, but right. basically it's, Help! Help! <laughs> and it's yeah. very loud. I would describe it as an out-of-tune bassoon. Or uh, I think saxophone. it was. But we, uh, they were beautiful because they would fan out. They yeah. would get the reflection of our, our uh, the uh, sliding mm-hmm. glass doors and our windows on our back patio. and So they would do a dance for you. but. Mm-hmm. I don't think peacocks is something that you want to put in a neighborhood. Um, and I think that's it. I can't think of any other animals, any types of animals. Well, we exotic ra- chickens. Yeah, we raised them. Some, mm-hmm. some colts. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. some rodeo stuff. We did. Your sister did a lot of rodeo, and, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. so we had probably four or five different horses that uh, Mm -hmm. we would load up and take the rodeo. And and Woodward has the Woodward Elks rodeo, the toughest of them all. Mm -hmm. And I think this year is the 85th annual. So it's been going on a long time. So uh,
1: one thing I've been asking in these interviews is uh, if somebody in there. Uh, early teens or 20s said, I'm kind of interested in starting up a farm just for my family, raise some food, maybe make a little money,
0: create a livelihood. What would you tell them? Well, it's going to be tough. That's the first thing. hmm Because uh, to produce enough produce to be able to, you know, like we like to do with a fruit stand or a vegetable stand. Mm-hmm. It's so labor intensive by the time you mm-hmm. pick, raise the produce and get it ready and take it to uh, a couple days a week or you know, to sell to the general public. It'll sell most of it, mm-hmm. but I'm not certain that you could, it'd be real tough to make a livelihood in that. I think probably uh, more of the urban concept where you raise you know, have neighborhood gardens and mm-hmm. and or you have a large garden of your own mm-hmm. uh, is probably a better way to go right now. It's just, uh, it's tough to compete in today's market when you've got somebody that can go to Walmart and get something that, you know, like we had asparagus last night it was from Peru. Yeah. Uh, it's just tough to compete. And yeah. how you can have a head of lettuce that was grown in california romaine head mm-hmm. and you buy it for a dollar eighty nine mm-hmm. i don't know who there ain't any money there from that when you look at transportation costs Mm-mm. it's and then then the shelf life on vegetables is very short
1: you have to wonder what the farmer or whoever picked it on the california or the mexico or the peru right. side is actually making if you're only paying that much, and they had to right. ship it that far.
0: That's kind of like you know people bitching about the price of postage, right? I think I don't know what it is forty five cents now or something. Yeah, but if I can write a letter to somebody
1: mm-hmm. and
0: put a forty five cent stamp on it, right, and they haul that maybe Air Express to California, and in a day or two, Aunt Millie or somebody's reading it. Yeah, and if I did that for forty-five cents, yeah, that's hell of a deal. <laughs> it's
1: not a bad deal.
0: I mean, you, nobody ever thinks of it that way, but right. we, we just take it for granted mm-hmm. that goods and services are going to be there for you. And back in the when I was growing up, mm-hmm. that wa- that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. But now we just you know we expect the roads to be paved and nice, and we mm-hmm. just expect it all to be there. I've always thought that people complain about
1: the price of organic vegetables being too expensive. I always think that the
0: non-organic stuff that's shipped from Mexico or Peru is too cheap. Well, no, I I agree with you. But, (laughs) you know, you're dealing with volume. Yeah. And, you know, probably, you know, but organic foods are really, really catching on. Even in Mm -hmm. a rural agricultural area like we have, it Mm -hmm. continues to expand. Yeah. And uh, people are very concerned about the use of pesticides, et cetera. And soil quality. Soil quality. and
1: mm-hmm.
0: And I have a friend out in the panhandle of Oklahoma that's a big farmer rancher, and now he's going to just grass-fed cattle. Oh, really? And he's making a lot more money uh, than he did Because he can market as a grass-fed. Yes. Beef. People will pay more. Yeah. And... Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Oh, cool. Anyway. Well, thanks, Dad.
0: Well. It's been fun. You know, there aren't too many people that have sons like you. Ah, that's sweet. Well, that's kind of like I told the mayor of Woodward. He sang a song. He was an old, kind of like a Don Rickles. (laughs) And you remember George Getzinger. And they finished this little western band called the Rhythm Riders. Yeah. He finished uh, his production one night. and uh, He said, how do we sound? And I said, Mr. Mayor. You've never sounded any better. <laughs> I'm not sure. And that's I a just kind of left it there. <laughs> Pretty soon he said, "What in the hell did that mean?"
1: <laughs> well, Dad, you've never sounded any better, and there's not anybody in the world that has a dad like you.
0: Well, <laughs> that that could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thank you. Been good.
1: To hear more episodes featuring interviews with agriculturists, artists, and activists on the front lines of the food movement, and to read my essays on everything from zucchini to zen, visit DharmaOnTheFarm.com. Until next time, farm on.